Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon. We have Jack Fitzpatrick here, as always, the creator of the JMU Sports News Football Power Rankings, which very impressive stuff. The most a- <laughs> objective ones in all the land. Mm. Ah, well, they're they're a little bit flawed, but that's all right. And we've got Chase Kitty, a guest we're very excited to welcome on, basically just to rip through Jack's Power Rankings is really why we, we brought him in. But Chase, welcome. Nice to be back. He's a recurring guest. I think yes. this is... Number maybe third time, fourth time? I don't know. Third or fourth, yeah. That sounds third. right. Yeah. It's he, been a while been... though since the last time. I think the <laughs> it last time might minute. have been JMU West Virginia. I well, I think what it was is last time we recorded, I think we went about two hours and both you two and the entire rest of JMU Nation went, That's enough, Chase, for a while. We <laughs> please go away. Like we need Post-pandemic, maybe we'll talk, but that was that was a lot. That was a lot of me. There was the unspoken rule that we had to wait to bring you back on until vaccines started to be rolled out. Mm. So now once that happened, we mm. gave it a buffer and, and we're excited to have you back. Yes. To talk a little JMU football, they're 3-0, and but at the same time, they're, they might as well be, you know, 0-3 in, in my mind. That's <laughs> a hot take out of the gate. I mean, Are I don't they? know about that. The Moorhead State game was a pretty good one. I would, I expected a little like sixties to nothing. Oh. So I think, I think they left plays on the field. Let's just, let's just say that. No, that one was good. But then, Robert Morris, Jack, and I were both in the camp that maybe people were overreacting. And then they kind of laid an egg at Elon, but ended up winning the game because Gage Maloney, Heisman candidate now, in my opinion, at least for the spring. Uh, <laughs> spring Heisman hashtag. Spring, <laughs> spring Heisman. Let's get that rolling. But Chase, what are your impressions through three games? Because it seems like Jamie fans have gone from we're going to win the national championship, North Dakota State doesn't look that good, to to kind of panic. Um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of different directions to take that question, of course. I think one of the most fascinating parts has been watching all the different reactions. Um, because as you just said, uh, and maybe, maybe tongue-in-cheek, maybe for real, I don't know, but there is a contingent that is kind of losing their mind right now. Uh, and at least, at least there is, is probably a bit of an overreaction, but there is some at least basis in reality. Then we've got the, I like to call them the North Dakota State JMU fans. 
that think like, well, we're number one. And until we lose, we got to keep us there. Like that's how it works. Uh, and then, I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of other factions sort of in the middle. Uh, and I, I imagine there, there's a lot of room for discussion here. I think, I think my thesis would be when you look at all of the stuff that Jamie lost, it makes sense that there are some struggles and I think they'll get to a better place. I think obviously Gage is more talented than Cole. He's probably a better quarterback than Cole. We can get into that. But uh, I, I think there's to use a, a coin uh, to use a term that I, I heard you use a few minutes ago off the air, Bennett room for improvement. I'd say there's room for improvement. Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree with that. And I guess we'll go Jack first and, and then, Chase here too. I was curious, do you think Cole was ever really set up to, to be successful? Like, are we, should we be surprised at how poorly he's played? And, and Jack, I'll go to you. I think for me, at least I expected him to have a, a big season. So in game three of this really weak schedule to have him no longer being the starter going into game four is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, we've, we, we've talked about it a lot. He, all he had to do really was to manage a game and to make, timely throws on like good routes and his throws were lacking velocity. He was making the wrong reads. Maybe if he was in the system through an off season, um, things could have, no, he's been there for five years. I think no matter what happened this year, there were high expectations for him and he's shown flashes of being good. And so when you have your fifth year in a program, you have higher expectations and being benched after a, Granted, Robert Morris is better than what they were in 2018, but getting a terrible game in that. And then against an Elon defense, which hasn't been good to start this season, and that's kind of putting it in a nice way, to struggle so much against them, it was kind of very underwhelming. I'm very glad Gage got the start. I was looking back at stuff from earlier in the season when we were doing um, – when we were getting ready for a fall season before it was canceled. We ran a Twitter poll and actually – our followers would have preferred to see Gage get the week one start back then. So um, I think it's just finally come full circle. You have to wonder if, if our followers should be able to make some of these decisions over someone like Kurt Signetti, but <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Chase, what are your thoughts on Cole's, I guess, subpar start to 2021? Um. I have two completely separate thoughts. The first is it's a lot easier to be a game manager when you have a loaded roster and the roster right now is not loaded. I know that my friend Brian McLaughlin likes to say things about North Dakota state and JMU, like they don't rebuild, they reload. And I think on the whole, maybe that's true. But when you look, I have, I told you guys, I brought a prop. This is my prop. I'm excited this for this. Is for, 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 for those of you that um, are, are fans and have no idea what I'm holding in, in my hand, when you sit in the press box and you cover the game as a media member, you are given this big cheat sheet that has every player from both teams on it and, like, the entire roster and both teams two deeps, and there's all this information on this that's helpful. So I sometimes keep mine, and I kept mine <laughs> – from the 2019 semifinal against Weber State. So I went down the list here before we did this podcast, really before this, the spring season started, and looked at all of the players that JMU no longer has. So going down the two deep here on offense, Ben DiNucci, gone. 
Jake Brown, gone. Brandon Polk, gone. Riley Stapleton, gone. Dylan Stapleton, gone. Zaire Bethea, Mac Patrick, who I don't think we're talking enough about the departure of Mac Patrick. That's a big, that's a big thing. Jahi Jackson, Joe Fishpaw, who was kind of a, a spot starter. He could slide around a little bit. Uh, on defense, John Daka, Rondell Carter, Bryce McGinley, Landon Ward, Dimitri Holloway, Rashad Robinson, Adam Smith, Charles Tutt, D'Angelo Amos, and Adiba Tarwa didn't graduate but transferred to UVA to go hang out with Bennett some more because they missed him so much. And then Liam, before the Elon game, is hurt and doesn't play. I don't know. Cole has always been a good guy to have on the team. And he has stepped into some very big spots. I'm thinking mainly of that Villanova game in 2016 that I thought JMU had absolutely no shot to win because this was really before JMU had become what they've been the last five years. I thought backup quarterback Villanova was really good, no shot. He played really well that game. But there's a big difference between playing really well with that 2016 roster and playing well with an entirely new cast of characters, all of whom are very talented and are going to be very good someday. But Cole had to step into this job and become the man and be the reason that JMU was good this year because there were just way too many new players. And he just he, – he, he couldn't do that. I, I mean – I feel really bad for him. There are very few JMU players who I wanted to see succeed like Cole because he for so long had been a good, loyal soldier and done everything that was asked of him. And he, you know, you never deserve anything in football. Maybe I'll talk a little conspiracy theory on that later. But he, I just wanted to see him succeed. And it's, I mean, I don't know how you say anything else. It hasn't been successful. And the, the, the change needed to happen. I have stood on the sideline at practice and watched Ben and Cole engage, go through passing drills. I have had long conversations with Mike Houston before he moved on to East Carolina. And he very plainly told me the most talented quarterback on this roster is Gage Maloney. And that was when Danucci was on the team. So I was surprised when, when the job went to Cole. I'm not totally surprised to see Gage now step in and become the starting quarterback three games in. Um, it, I really feel badly for Cole, but it had to happen. Here's a question. Were you surprised that it took until the second half of Elon or were you, or like he, he had a terrible first half to Robert Morris. Did, were you expecting a pull maybe there or was it kind of like, this is a non-conference game. Let's get this win. And then in I don't want to shake his confidence before conference play starts. I think it was probably a non-conference thing. I, I think, um, and I want to emphasize, I don't live in Harrisonburg anymore. This wonderful apartment you see around me is in Richmond. So I am not like day-to-day -day with the team anymore. I don't go to practices anymore. I, I rarely call into coaches' calls for the CAA. Like I don't, I don't do all of the daily stuff I used to anymore when I was with Hero Sports, you know, full-time. I wasn't that surprised that it didn't happen after Robert Morris because – I just felt like you wanted to give him a little more rope than that. Like more than six quarters. That yeah. feels like not a lot of time. Once you're starting to get into the second half of the first conference game and you're down multiple touchdowns to a team, you know, you're better than no offense to Elon, but I mean, come on. No, all offense to Elon. They're terrible. 
they're not a good roster and they're on their third string quarterback. That game should have been a bloodbath by every measure. And it wasn't. So at that point, I think he made the change at the right time. I think that's fair. I think for me, what is so interesting is Gage pretty much was not perfect in terms of his stats or anything, but to come in with them down, lead them back, get the win, pretty much all he was asked to do. And I think Jamie fans, after seeing that, they're like, oh, we've got Gage. Like, we're fine. We're still going to be the best. We're going to rally and be what we thought we were going to be at the beginning of the season. Do you think that's fair? Do you think there are shortcomings with Gage? Because the thing that I keep going back to is, like, Cole did win the job. Like, why did he win the job? I think I at least expected Gage to win because of his running ability. So when he didn't, I was, I was a little bit surprised. Jack, why don't you take that first? I have no idea why Gage Maloney didn't win the job. I mean, <laughs> I was on the Gage train. You convinced me to jump over onto the Cole train as it was Heck passing yeah. by. But from the start, I was on the Gage train, and that kind of has a nice ring to it. We might uh, might patent that one. No, but I really like, don't know why Cole won the job. Was it because he was a fifth-year senior, and he has talent, and he's shown flashes in Signetti – Kind of like what Chase said, he was always the good soldier and you kind of wanted to reward that. Maybe, but I also, I really have no idea. Like, I feel like Gage is the better quarterback. Uh, in terms of, of what does this mean going forward for JMU, uh, which I think your question touched on a little bit. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Sorry, Bennett. Um, <laughs> I, there are things that Gage obviously fixes, right? You're, you're probably not going to see that many turnovers. You're probably going to get better play overall at the quarterback position. He's going to be more mobile. You're going to have a better third down rate. The more dynamism in the passing game is going to back the defensive front back, which means you're going to have a, a better run game. I mean, there, there are things that it fixes. Everything that you're saying makes it sound a lot better. And it, it should. It, they, I think they'll look more like a like a. I don't want to say a top ten team. I think they'll look more like a top twenty five team because uh, I don't think they've they've looked like a top twenty five team the last couple of games. Uh, but I, I think they'll look more in that neighborhood. I think the problem is it doesn't it doesn't make the roster any older. It doesn't suddenly give all these players that are kind of new in in their roles it doesn't give them suddenly you know a dozen more games of experience so do i think it fixes things sure do i think jmu is probably gonna still go undefeated in the caa maybe i think when you look at the, the two games against richmond two games against william and mary and then one more game against elon assuming all those games get played yeah i mean gauge the, the 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 bump you get at the quarterback spot is maybe enough just there for an eight and zero record, but eh, I, I I still wonder like is this a number one caliber kind of team? Can this become a number one caliber type of team? I don't think Frisco is guaranteed by any means, which is disappointing. Not not because like JMU deserves to be in Frisco every year or anything, but because I would like to go to Frisco when it's not 20 degrees <laughs> just one time <laughs> and not freeze my ass off. With the snow on the ground. Yeah. When I go to Texas, 
I'm not going for cold. I can get that here in Virginia in January. What are you going to Texas for? What what makes you tick in terms of Texas vacation plans? Well, the last time I was in Texas, a North Dakota State fan recognized me in the bar and bought me like an insane amount of alcohol and like bought me lunch afterwards. Like he was kind of, he just sort of attached himself to this group I was with with my college friends and was like, paying for everything which was very nice because you know North Dakota they're they're all very nice uh but I couldn't like I couldn't drink that much I I was I'm not in the game anymore guys I'm like I turned 30 last month I can't be like ripping 10 <laughs> shots at 8 15 in the morning but I guess that's what I go to Texas for I like that that was a, a great answer I think for me I was a little surprised this week to not see like Kendall Dean doing much I don't think he had a catch well, I, I know he didn't because I have the stats up right now. This is how I, I get things in. Mm-hmm. Reporter uh, but right I, there. That's, that's just, yeah. The other thing is, like, in the fall, would anyone be shocked if they brought in, like, an FBS transfer at quarterback? Like, I feel like we look at the Cole and the gauge, and it's like, all right, maybe this will work. And and part of me is, like, find a kid at Pitt who can <laughs> win conference player of the year. Like, is there someone they could bring in that could, could step up and, and do these things? I just don't know right now, talent-wise, if they have enough at quarterback to make up for what you were saying, some of those uh, lack of experience or things like that at the wide receiver spot. Cause to have both Stapleton brothers and Polk, Polk was, he significantly surpassed my expectations. He was awesome for them. So, I mean, they just had so many good weapons. Ben DiNucci threw a perfect deep ball, got rid of the turnover issues. He just sort of purged them all out against Colgate smart move by him to just get rid of them then and, and get them out of his system. But no, I mean, I thought the running game after the first game, I was like, oh, they'll just be able to run it and Cole's not going to have to do anything. And you've kind of seen once the opponent has scholarships, turns out to be a really important thing when you have scholarship players. Um, you can kind of stack the, yeah. <laughs> you can stack the box and and actually stop the run. And you mentioned uh, Fornano was out and he's out for the, the spring. And I also, I wanted to, before we miss it, because I don't think anyone else is going to do it, and I'm certainly not going to do it. Mac Patrick, you mentioned the loss of him being big can you explain why losing the starting center is a valuable thing because i think there's a lot of jamie takes and most of them do not go around the offensive line certainly not the center spot (laughs) well i mean mac had been not just on the offensive line but like the central cog of the offensive line for years now and when you lose i mean I'm, i'm looking here at the offensive line from 2019. So forget about Dylan for a second, who was a tight end and could be retained in line. I mean, he was more of a pass threat. They more used Drew Painter for the run blocking stuff, but it's still, it's still a piece there on the line that you're losing. You're, you're talking about the departure or loss in one form or another of five or six offensive linemen from 2019, one of whom is considered to be an NFL prospect in Fornadel, and then Mac, who kind of made the whole thing go. I don't. I, I, I try not to rely on cliches, but in terms of talking about offensive linemen and like the straw that stirs the drink, that's pretty much what Matt, Matt, Mac Patrick was. He's a really reliable center, understood all the checks, really intelligent, big guy, strong guy, smart guy, everything you wanted in a center. And he's gone along with a bunch of other people that were around him. This is 
such a big deal when you talk about what's happening with the JMU offense, because it, especially how Signetti calls plays, he is a through the run game type of coach. Like yeah, he, he is. wants to establish the run. He wants to run it down your throat. He's more conservative than Houston was. Ugh. It he's I I I mean you, you're not going to find a lot of coaches that like talk shit about balance, and I'm not saying Signetti does that, but he is less interested I think in balance than Houston was, because uh, Houston would constantly talk about like oh we want to be balanced and uh, you know we we never want to have one thing be our identity. Signetti wants the run game to be the team's identity, which is. Great. I mean, he's an old school coach. He's very good at coaching that stuff. So no complaints. Uh, but when you lose that many offensive pieces, including your center that kind of did a lot to make everything work, uh, which is what Mac did. Yeah, that's a big, big problem. People love to look at the running backs and go, oh, like we got four NFL running backs right here. And, you know, that's another take for another day. But the running backs can only do – they can only work with the holes that the offensive line gives them. I mean, I know that's basic, but that's the reality. So the fact that the, the line is, has seen this much turnover and now Fornado is, is, is out, like that's, that's a big, big deal. And that's one of those things that like, it's cool that Gage is going to be the quarterback now. It does almost nothing in terms of the offensive line. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's, it's super interesting to see all the turnover. And like you had mentioned where they're like reload, not rebuild. I think Jamie fans have bought into that quite a bit where it's like, well, we got these other guys that have been in the program and they'll just be the same, if not better, which doesn't always turn out to be the case. So I guess we'll see what happens moving it's, forward. They also, sorry, go ahead, Jack. Well, it's like, and it's, it's personified in Cole. He's been in the program for five years and he had what one start coming into this season two starts it's it, it just like it, it's you see how much that game time actually impacts something so yeah you might have a bunch you might have a junior who's been in the program his freshman saw or even a redshirt junior who's been in the program for three years but has never started a game it's a different different feel and that could be a huge reason why this team's coming out so flat every game yeah it's kind of odd to see the slow starts and the second half, they still have a lot of second half point all season, which is a, obviously a positive. Um, yeah. I mean, they need game time and they need reps and we haven't even gotten to it yet. They're not playing on Saturday because of COVID issues. So they're not going to play William Mary on Saturday. That game was postponed. Um, so hopefully they'll be able to play Richmond on the 20th, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know what to expect from this team and, and defensively do both you guys, I mean, how do you feel about what you've seen defensively? It's certainly been a little bit hit or miss, but, maybe less of a concern than the the dozens of interceptions that feel like they're being thrown and the sloppy turnovers and things like that. Yeah, I'll let Chase start with this one with the defense. My guess is, and I'm, I'm this week I want to go back and watch these games again and have a better feel for what I'm looking at. But my guess is, especially with the Elon game, the game plan going in was we have no idea what we're going to get out of this quarterback. We don't, we have no film on him. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know really what his skill set is. We don't know how to run scout team for him. Let's go very vanilla. Let's see what they do. Let's make halftime adjustments and shut him down there. And we imagine we'll still be in the game. Now I'm guessing they probably didn't think it was going to be 17 to three, 
<laughs> but they were still in the game, obviously, because they came back and won. So that's my guess on what happened at Elon. The trend of first half, second half differential, I'm not 100% sure. Like I said, that's something I want to go back and watch the games for. But that would be my, my assumption is that they, they kind of were playing loose, seeing where Elon went, and then clamped down after halftime and took away the things that they were doing or wanted to do. Yeah, I think the one thing, too, about the Robert Morris one in that first half, the offense did not do them any favors in terms of where they were leaving them and the short field. So I think Absolutely. the defensive, defensive performance there was probably fine. And the Elon quarterback, I thought, in the first half looked pretty darn good. I mean, he was <laughs> – He did. More, he was mobile. He was making plays outside the pocket. He was doing things. And then the second half, he threw that like punt interception where it was like rotating end over end. Well, no, that, that punt interception was just the same as a punt though, according to the announcers. <laughs> we got to talk about the announcers. Yeah. That's basically a punt. It's like, well, when he returns at 30 yards, it's not basically a punt anymore, but it was basically a punt with a 30 yard return. <laughs> right. Just absurd. They were awesome too. Cause you know, they could sense that number one upset of their team happening. And then you get the, the second touchdown to take the lead and they're like, and the Dukes have scored. I <laughs> <laughs> love that. And I'm sad. Yeah, but it was it was a heck of a win, I guess, to to play as poorly as JMU did and actually get the job done. So I mean, there's some positives to build off of. The number one positive is probably the schedule being super soft. Um, if this any- team was in the north, I think they go what they play eight games, eight CAA think- games a season or six, six, six. So they'd go three and three in the north. Generous. <laughs> I think it depends on what order the games were in like if, if they're opening against maine yeah they might still be three and zero. maine maine rhode island is their first yeah. if those were the first mm-hmm. they then starts two and zero in conference but like if they got like villanova and then albany i really don't think be in trouble yeah, yeah. but was- I, I think i think by april like they're gonna have some things figured out i yeah. I, I i really do think that now that's you know that's that's sort of a backhanded compliment where like, hey, JMU, hey, alleged number one team. I would it, like to see you have things figured out before week six, but in an eight-week schedule. It's crazy that they're still the number one team. Like in the uh, Stats FCS poll, they're still the number one team after everything that happened. How much time do you have for me to <laughs> just <laughs> – Fire the stats FCS poll into the sun. How much time does this podcast have? Just do it, please do it. Well, I think we have we have a, I, to let to, to let the listeners behind the curtain. We have three minutes and fifty seconds for me to rant on this, <laughs> and then we'll just resend the link. So if anything, we'll just then restart it up at the new link. Um, there, there. Look, there's just I have no beef with Craig Haley. I think Craig does a very good job. Um, I think the overall wisdom of the voters is sometimes in question uh when, when there are ideas like well you can't drop them unless they lose because like, I, I see that from a ton of north dakota state people i see it from some jmu people who think like I, here's how we get good just do everything the north dakota state people do just repeat all of their <laughs> lines everything so like the the idea that because here's here's what a poll is it's I'm coming to you every week and saying, who do you think's the best? And the idea that the only reason you can change your mind is if a team scores fewer points than another team, 
That's the only thing that allows me to change my mind. If we beat a peewee team full of nine-year-olds by two points on a last-second safety, well, we won. I can't. They're still number one. Like, that's, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And I, I never want to see that argument again. I don't care who's making it. I, I've gotten in fights with JMU people for like nasty DM fights. Like, please, please, you're making us look bad. Please stop. Well, I know last week I was definitely on the train of like, I was like, I think Bennett was too, where I think this was a one-time thing, guys. Let's, let's, JMU's still the best team in the country, I believe right now. I think they just had a, a slip up. And now after this Elon game, I'm definitely, probably JMU fans are listening to this, like, this is going against everything you said last week, Jack. And it's like, yes, well, I changed my mind because I've now realized that this team isn't as good as we thought they were. So, uh, yeah, ch- being able to change your mind is key with these stats, FCA, with all these top 25 polls. And I feel like Bennett's about to come in with something sarcastic. Well, no, I mean, I was fine with people who didn't have JMU at one last week. That wasn't like an issue for me. I think the thing is when people are like, I, I understand the argument they haven't played like a, a ranked team at times. There are people who are like, I don't think this can like ever be a ranked team. Like this, they're just not that good. They're not, not able to do anything. It's like the whole FCS level is not that good. Like, and people <laughs> don't, don't love to accept that. Like there's certainly really good players and guys make the NFL and some of the teams are impressive. But like when you get down to like the end of the top 25, you're looking at some teams that aren't that good at football. And like JMU has better players than most of those teams and better coaches. Like they can figure it out and, make it work so I think that yeah they're probably not playing necessarily like a top five team or anything right now but they can certainly get there and improve and yeah the fans were like uh well we beat Elon and we found a way to win so you can't drop us are insane Uh, I don't understand any of that especially when they come into the week and they're like yeah I think we better beat Elon by 50 but then the next day they're like one by three got that W huge team it's about wins it's always been about wins for us guys yeah Uh, that's yeah I don't know Well, Chase, I think a lot of people have been clamoring for talk, not just about the bison, but about mm. the entire state of North Dakota. <laughs> can, you, can you take us through both the Fighting Hawks, which I believe is their mascot, and mm. then also the bison that we know very well? Great transition, Bennett. Thank you for teeing me up so nicely. <laughs> that was a lot uh, better than my failed one. Wow. So uh, I think you got to start with, with North Dakota State. Not because they're better, but because... They, they're living in a very beautiful illusion that is going to crash down around their heads very, very, very shortly. Maybe this week, probably, probably next week. I, I like the guys at Bison 1660. They have me on. We chop it up. I like those guys. Keith and I have like a weird DM history talking about video games because we're both giant nerds. Uh, so I like those guys. I have nothing bad to say about those guys. But... The, the sort of narrative that I have heard listening to their shows the past couple of weeks since the SIU loss is, hey, the loss, we got our butts kicked. No way around that. That's, you know, that's just the cold, hard truth. But everything's still on the table for this team. You know, Frisco's just, you know, 12 wins away. Like, all we got to <laughs> do is run the table and beat all these other teams in the Valley. We're still North Dakota State. So that brand is gonna make a lot of tackles on the field probably. 
and uh, just get back to Frisco and win our 14 millionth national championship. And it, it's admittedly like I'm an outsider. I have no emotional investment in North Dakota state. The way I see it is, is a, it's a bit of an Occam's razor situation. They lost the SIU game because they're not very good. Like they, they got killed by SIU because the team's not good. And yes, they beat Central Arkansas in the fall and they deserve to have that on their resume, but they beat that team when they had Trey Lance playing quarterback. And the, the second the second or third best QB prospect in this NFL draft, and now they have Zeb Noland. Right. Who again, it's kind of a Cole Johnson situation. Like I'm sure he's a good kid. He's waited his turn. That is an average quarterback, man. I don't know what else to say. I have watched all their games. He is not very good. And the thing when you're North Dakota State is it's great when your idea of how to win a football game is we're going to grind this team. We're going to lean on him with our offensive line. And in the fourth quarter, we're just going to break it open. We're just going to mash you because you're tired and we're better than you. Clearly, that is a winning brand of football. The problem is, if you're not awesome, that can get ugly very quickly. And so this idea that, like, hey, there's still everything on the table for them, I guess that's true, like, technically, because they've only lost one game. But the reality is, watch that team. I don't think they're better than South Dakota State. I don't think they're better than, uh, than North Dakota. The Illinois State and Northern Iowa games seem like toss-ups, but only because those teams are so anemic on offense that, you know, Zeb Nolan can throw a Hail Mary at the end of the first half, and that might be all the points they need to win that game. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just not that good of a team. We, if, if this was a normal year, I think you'd be looking at North Dakota State as like a like – a, a playoff team, but sort of like in that bottom six at large bids that get in, they'd be playing in the first weekend because of the shortened bracket this spring. I don't really think they're going to make the playoffs. And I was going to ask if they hit, get two losses, do you I think mean, their quote unquote brand is strong enough to push them in? Or do you think two losses to two solid Valley teams would get them out of the playoffs? I think the Valley is not going to get, four teams in the playoffs, right? I, I think three is probably where they cap out. So if South Dakota State is better than them and Northern and North Dakota is better than them, and then they lose a game somewhere else, like they're probably done, you know? And and they've got a sick schedule coming up. I, I think I, I haven't listened back to any of any of the local stuff from yesterday, which would have been the first show after the win at Missouri State. They were up 25 to zero at halftime and they won the game 25 to zero. They didn't score after halftime. So I just look, I'm not convinced that this team is very good. They, and part of it's not their fault. Part of it's bad luck. They lost one of their running backs like five minutes into the first game of the spring season. Zeb's not very good. They've lost just like JMU. They've lost a massive amount of talent from that 2019 team. Uh, they have a first round draft pick on the offensive line that's not playing this spring. Obviously, they have Trey Lance that's not playing this spring. Lots of turnover, injuries. They're just kind of mediocre this year. And you know what? They have nothing to apologize for. This is where I'm going to defend them. 
they have been so dominant for so long. I'm not even talking about all the national championships. The last three or four years, that 2018 team was one of the greatest FCS teams that has ever been assembled. It was sick. Trey Lance was so good last year, or in 2019, I mean, the, the, in the previous season, that he basically single-handedly, I thought, won that national championship game. I mean, there were plays – the fake field goal that was was huge. Uh, the defense coming up big in in certain spots, obviously at the goal line at the end of the game against Ben DiNucci, but other spots as well. But Trey Lance was the reason they won that game because the JMU roster, I thought and still think, was better in that team. Trey Lance won it, kind of like the Super Bowl a couple weeks later. Like the 49ers were the better team, but you can't beat Mahomes when he's on one. And Trey Lance had a game. So – I, I have nothing bad to say about North Dakota State. I just think objectively, when you look at the team this spring, they're just kind of average, and they don't have the greatness that you need to win when you play that style that they play. They're not going to be able to grind people out, and they don't have the means to come from behind. So I think they are one or two weeks away from realizing, like, and eh, this is probably not – a national championship contender. And I think when you look at guys like Mike McFeely and guys that are maybe a little more comfortable saying unpopular things publicly, they've kind of already hinted at that. That's my read. Um, but of course I have said things like I'm not, I'm not sold on North Dakota state is like the undisputed before. And you know, we all know what happens. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because JMU scheduled soft enough that, they might not be significantly better than North Dakota State this season. Maybe they are, but they've got a schedule that's still going to put them, I think, in the top area where they're going to be in there and they're going to be in the national title discussion just because they're not playing quality teams like the Valley has. But who are the other teams that, I guess, JMU fans who are still thinking national title or bust should worry about? They're familiar with Weber State from some positive memories in the past. Who else is in that national combo? Well, I think Weber State is, is fun just because they're still really good. Uh, they still, uh, I think offensively, they're better than they have been. And I think what could be really fun is, is Weber State hosting JMU in a playoff game. And then win, lose, or draw, whatever happens with that game, JMU will then turn around five months later and go back to Ogden and play them again because we have a home and home with them starting this fall. Let's go. So if you <laughs> want to go to Utah, like – that, that could be a fun six months going to Utah twice. Uh, what else? North Dakota. North, North Dakota really reminds me of the 2016 JMU team. Um, they're, they're good on special teams. They, you know, the offense can put points up. The defense is, they're live, man. Like, they, they've got some players. So, I, I'm, I definitely think they're for real. I, I don't know if anybody's going to make it through the Valley with an undefeated record because – it, the Valley actually looks a lot like the CAA this, uh, in most years in that, like, you, you, might, you might lose to, like, the eighth-place team. It's going to be a lot of, like, teams getting chopped up. And, of course, the Valley's going to get credit for that because all the Valley teams are going to go, oh, iron sharpens iron. We got, got a bunch of, bunch of good teams out here playing tough defense Midwestern. Like, and, but when it's the CAA and, you know, Stony Brook – plays Villanova tough it's well that team's overrated so okay I I guess I know how this works by now uh, 
the Montana schools are out, so I'm not sure how much depth there is to the Big Sky past um, past Weber State. I think it's it's actually very much on the table that the Big Sky is a one big league. I think that's probably uh, it's not a lock, but the way that Eastern Washington lost, I I don't think they can handle much more. Idaho, I believe, lost to UC Davis this past weekend, and then a, there's a, just a whole. The Big Sky has always had a bottom that's very you know, eh. just a whole lot of like injured Northern Arizona, Southern Utah has been bad for a few years now. Idaho state had one good year, but they, you know, they're usually kind of down Portland state. Like there's just a whole lot of like bad teams that are just there at the bottom of the big sky. So there, there's going to be not a ton of opportunities for quality wins. And if the middle class of that conference beats each other, beats each other up now that North Dakota is back in the Missouri Valley, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sh- convinced that, you know, that's going to be a two bit league. It's going to depend on how the game shake out. And then you've got, uh, I think the Southland looks pretty decent this year. I, I think all things considered relative to where they're usually at Nichols looks, looks like they could, you know, be a really, really strong seed and then lose in the first game they play. Cause that's usually how that goes. <laughs> um, I think Sam Houston state is, is pretty decent this year. Um, and then the CAA has, I think three or four legitimate playoff contenders. I, they're all obviously not going to get in, but Delaware looked really good this past week. I want to see some more, some more games from them, but they, they look like they maybe have figured some stuff out offensively that they haven't before. I don't know if Villanova is overrated there and sitting in the top five or top six, but I know they're good. And I know they're, they're a playoff contender. Albany. We know what undercuffler's done. That's, that's a real team. Is that your guy, Jack? Oh, I love the undercuffler. I think you just might like purple teams. I, I love dog mascots. The master of <laughs> three-yard out routes that receivers take 60 yards for a touchdown. Okay. So, that I mean, Albany is legit. Like, they're, we've been waiting for them to, to sort of become a real CAA team and not just be a doormat that came up from a lesser conference. And these last couple of years, they've been good. So, that's exciting to see them be legit. Uh, and, and I, you know, we're, we're waiting to see what JMU does because – I got to be honest, if JMU drops one of these games and is seven and one, I mean, that's, that's a problem for them. I, I will say if they're seven and one, the way the North is shaking out, I wouldn't be surprised if they still got the CAA auto bid. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. That could definitely happen. But if they don't, I mean, we, we used to trash Kennesaw state all the time when, when Sam and Brian and I were doing what the, the three man team a couple years ago, we would always say, like, Kennesaw, like, we, we know you guys are good. We have you at three in our poll. But I don't know what kind of seed you're going to get when you're playing, like, Presbyterian College <laughs> and multiple D2 schools, and it's a shortened schedule. And they'd be like, ah, you guys hate us and hate the Big South and whatever. And it's just there's no opportunity for good wins there. Yeah. Well, now look at JMU's schedule. I don't I, – from the committee's perspective, I don't care about your brand. Like, I, I know I was just, you know, making fun of North Dakota State's brand. I don't care about the JMU football brand if I'm on the committee. I care that you played Robert Morris, non-scholarship Moorhead State, and the CAA South looks bad. Like, they they might, like, all, I guess just mathematically, somebody else has to be above 500, but that's just three 500 or below 500 teams is what I see. So, I mean, Elon got blown out by Gardner-Webb a couple weeks ago. So this is not... There are no opportunities for quality wins. And if JMU is seven and one, like 
they're going to be playing as an unseeded team. And even if they get the auto bid, I, I, I would be surprised if they're one of the seeds. If so, here's a, here's a fun thought starter. JMU sweeps goes eight. zero in the CAA South, but Villanova or one of those stronger North teams goes seven and one. Do you see a way that JMU is an unseeded team and that CAA North team could be like a seeded first round by team? So you've got JMU is the auto bid, but they're unseated. Is it? And that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, pretty much. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that could happen. Totally. Because JMU doesn't have quality wins. There are zero quality wins. If this, if this was JMU, put it this way. If this was a Mickey Matthews JMU team from like 2012, what would be the argument? Forget about them being a seed. What would be the argument that they should get into the playoffs? That's, that, that's classic. I mean, I know this is maybe a touch before your all's time, but that's exactly what happened when I was in undergrad at JMU is you had a bunch of like six and five, seven and four JMU teams where they didn't have any momentum and the CAA was better than it is now. They had more depth to it, but ultimately seven and four was not a guarantee to get in and, and JMU was on the wrong side of the bubble a bunch of times. I worry about that too now with this postponement. Like, I don't know if they're going to play eight games. So I think any loss could hold more weight. And I think that April 17th weekend is open. Um, the selection I think is on the 18th. I was just looking that up. So they could still like reschedule the game. But like, I think with the the COVID stuff, like you don't know if they're going to play a full eight. Let's say you lose one or two and in terms of not playing them and you have the one loss and you're six and one or something. I think that looks pretty bad given the the start they've had to the season where the first three games I don't think you can take anything positive in terms of like wow we really deserve a spot or deserve a seed from the first three games right I mean you played a non-scholarship team and we're kind of rusty in the other two games it didn't look great barely beat Elon so I think yeah I think they don't have a, a lot of margin for error which is maybe a little concerning but weird spring season I think you, you just try to get in and, and hope that you're playing your best football in April yeah, yeah. this is I, I I really think um this is going to be, I think, a survive and advance kind of spring. Get in, win the next game. Like, forget about the branding and the big picture and, oh, who's the best program? Forget about all that. Get in, win the next game. And I, I really think that's the approach that – I know that's the approach that, that Kurt and the players are taking. I think that's the approach that, that fans maybe need to adopt here as well as we get closer to the playoffs. It'd be cool if the fans would would show up at Bridgeport. I mean, support your team. You know, I don't know what that's that's been the first couple of weeks. God, with empty these. stands every week. Gosh, well, no, it's because they're studying really for finals. Studying for finals, right? <laughs> they can't go to the playoff game because sixteen thousand JMU kids are studying for a final five days in advance and not day drinking. It's very interesting. I didn't even drink alcohol, JMU. <laughs> no one's allowed. It's you know, it's it's, it's a, a dry, dry campus. campus. It's a dry yeah. campus. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty much all I've got football-wise. Gage Maloney, I think, is going to come on strong. He'll win the Heisman. Uh, North Dakota State, as Chase said, is done forever. Forever. Hell of a run, though. Who cares if they the program? transfer at quarterback, waiting in the wings for next season? Yeah, I wonder if he's going to be good. I'll actually be kind of mad if he is good because Patterson. it just – I mean, I don't know, maybe – you're, you're living right in North Dakota and you've got good karma. Because, I, I mean, how many times can just good things drop into your lap? I, I'll say one more thing about North Dakota State really quickly. Something that I think people don't appreciate enough about why they've been good. 
yes, it's like the gritty defense in the Valley and uh, the, their player development never gets enough credit. I mean, they do so, so good work developing like no star players into really, really good college football players. They put like four straight quarterbacks into the NFL. You know, that has something <laughs> to do with it, right? Like it's, I know that doesn't fit the narrative of like North Dakota tough, but that's, that probably has something to do with it. That their quarterbacks have been really, really excellent. Carson Wentz, you know, for all the jokes and the Eagles and the, all the drama, like still flirted with an NFL MVP a couple years ago. So mm-hmm. clearly he's not untalented. Trey Lance is obviously about to be a high draft pick and Easton stick is still on the roster. And like, supposedly a very important member of that quarterback team uh quarterback room with the chargers a couple years ago like they they asked i think anthony lynn said like i don't need to trade for a backup quarterback we've got easton stick like we're we're comfortable with him starting and i think it got some play on national radio i think like colin coward and a couple other people were like what is an easton stick what are you talking about (laughs) but i mean Anthony Lynn obviously no longer has a job as a head coach of the Chargers, but that's still, even from a departed coach or a deposed coach, that's a pretty ringing endorsement that like, Hey, we like the guy we have here. So yeah, I mean, that's not nothing. (laughs) Hey, but did he start a Monday night football game against the Philadelphia Eagles and proceeded to get benched? I don't think that's the hill I want to die on. (laughs) And I will, (laughs) I don't think, I think I'm going to live to fight another day on that one. Anthony Lynn did bounce back and land one of the more prestigious jobs in the NFL. He's now the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. So is the rebuilding Lynn the next Todd Bowles? <laughs> you have to oh, wonder. You know, <laughs> you think I was a garbage head coach? Watch me win the Super Bowl next year as a coordinator. What's wouldn't up? be surprised. You, I think anytime you can pair Jared Goff, Jared and, Goff Anthony and Anthony Lynn, Lynn. yeah. That's the future looks bright in Detroit. Watch so. out, Rogers. Yeah, the rebuilding <laughs> since 1957, Detroit Lions, as Adam Shine would say. That's not kind to say. <laughs> Wait, Jack, they made a playoff game like 10 years ago. What are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. Well, actually, they made it they... in 2016 when JMU won the national championship. That night, the Lions actually played the Seahawks. Yeah, the watch that. Now. And got destroyed. They were competitive. Fuck. They showed up. They tried to execute. That's all you can ask. All right. Well, that's this guy. This guy's been spending a lot of time with Bronco Mendenhall. He gets the game. <laughs> Control the controllables. That's a, a football coach classic. That is is also known in Trumpsville, and that's what Jamie needs to do the rest of the way. I think if they can win the national championship, if they just control what they can control. Mm. Mm. Just talking coach speak for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> got to execute above your level you just got to dominate the line of scrimmage if if 11 men do their job at the same time gosh can you imagine what they could achieve together (laughs) all right well i think that's that's all we've got football wise chase if you have any hot takes now is the time to fire them off i'm gonna sit on my hot takes for now i think that that you guys i know you guys are aware of We'll now dribble our way over to the basketball courts. <laughs> How was that for a transition? All right, I think I got to go. Um, <laughs> that was terrible. Wow. I thought it was pretty good, but we have to talk about men's basketball. They lost in the CAA quarterfinals 
it was devastating. Obviously, Matt Lewis wasn't there. The officials played a role, which is what you love to see in a college basketball game. Anytime the officials mm. can place themselves in the spotlight. Right. Shout out Jamie Lucky. Um, you got to love that. So they lose by one to Elon. I will say it's kind of a fake one. Vado Morris banked in a three at the end. So it was like kind of one. It was four. It was they lost four. by four. It was it was a heartbreaking way to end the season. Up by 15. <laughs> they end up losing. No, I had said exactly what you said, but before you, and I was like, all right, man. Like I was like, they're up 15 with 10 minutes. And then you're like, here's the thing. They're up 15. <laughs> you take it from there. <laughs> I don't think talk about the fact they were up 15. People aren't talking about that enough. Well, it, it was the, the talk after the game was about how the refs cost them the game, which is true. Like the, the is it ref- them? but that's the thing. That's up for they the They shouldn't have put that, that Jamie you should not have been in a position where the refs cost them the game at all. Like you're up 15 with what? I think it was 12 minutes left when they hit their, 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 their at the, they hit 15 up. And then all of a sudden you let them come back and then the refs play a role. Yes, they were. In that moment, the refs played a huge role and could you could say are the reason they lost the game. But Jamie was in no way should have let Elon be in that game that late, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. The techs were garbage. All right. That's 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 a that that is not my opinion. That is the opinion of the CAA now. So yeah. We don't need to spend any real time being frustrated about that. They blew the game. Like I know, I know JMU fans want to sit here and like be really, really upset about the techs and fine. They were bad calls. Everybody should be upset about them from the team standpoint, but it it has become a crutch to lean on instead of recognizing the fact that they were up big in the second half and lost. So it was poor coaching decisions. I mean, Elon was letting Jamie eat in the paint. Justin Amati was having a career day. All you had to do was feed it down low, and Elon was either going to foul or you're going to get a lay-in. And what did they start doing once Elon starts chipping away at their lead? They start just chucking three after three early on in the shot clock, too, allowing Elon to come back. And it just – it was probably the worst game of the season I've seen out of, seen out of JMU. There are probably three guys on the roster who should have a red light at three-point line. And when they got up 15, I would say all three of those guys started shooting threes. So that was was kind of frustrating. Um, they just kind of went away from what was working. And, I mean, the worst part is that, like, Elon's no good. And people are listening to this, and Elon will probably, by the time they listen, Elon will probably have won the conference tournament. But, yeah, like, they just smashed Hofstra. I mean, that <laughs> – like, it was Hofstra, a, a quick sidebar on that game. That was the ugliest game of rebounding I've ever seen. Hofstra was at one point, I think, out-rebounded 38-15. to 15. I've never seen a team with their season. Like, you lose – if you don't rebound, your season's done, and they just still did not care. I mean, with Isaac Conte, Conte, one of the I best know. rebounders in the CA. He was just like, I'm, I'm not rebounding tonight. Cost me a lot of money, all right? It was just. <laughs> Jack, I don't mind telling you, as a now high-profile gambler with a high-profile gambling podcast. <laughs> I can't believe we're it waited. On Hofstra Elon. That's I can't believe it. <laughs> it took this long to get into betting conversations. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, huh. I love me that's my house. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't force people into my house. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, it was a terrible, 
game from JMU in terms of the last 10 minutes or so. To lose it was pretty devastating. The two technicals, obviously not great, but to blow a lead against a team like Elon, that's just not that great, even though they've gone on a run. Kind of frustrating, and it just it drives me back. I haven't been a Jamie fan for that long, but it's just peak Matt Brady. I remember they would close the regular season strong and they would like come into a four-way tie for first place this is a very specific example. And they had lost all of their games to the top other three teams. And they're like, you know what? We're conference champions. It was like, Oh, I mean, technically, if you want to say that, I will allow it, but it's wrong. And then they go out, they lose in the, the quarterfinals. They kind of get blown out. They look terrible. Yeah. It's a, it's a Matt Brady special. As you know I like that is, that's it. the internet saying, you don't need any more analysis. That's <laughs> you. They lost in the quarterfinals. I'm just, I'm sick of the, and like they had a good season. It was a successful season, but like when you're in a one bid league and they haven't advanced to the semifinals since I started following them in 2014, it has become frustrating for me. Uh, I, I believe we've even talked about this in a previous Jamie sports news podcast, big Matt Brady defender. Uh, nothing you said is necessarily wrong. You love Charlottesville just as much as I did. <laughs> <laughs> Except the CAA, when Matt Brady was the coach, was a multi-bid league. That's the part I would push back on. And so having a 20-win season multiple, multiple times was a bigger deal then than it was now because it was a good league. It, you know, it was routinely during Matt Brady's tenure, it was like an eight or nine RPI league. So – the beginning uh, I, of his tenure. No, for, got, for most of his tenure. Because he was here through, what, 15? And the, the departures happened around 13 or 14, like sort of the end of his uh, tenure there. So, I mean, most of the time when he was putting up 21 seasons, it was, it was notable. And I share your frustration. It, it was like Charlie Brown in the football, man. It was like every single CAA tournament. Uh, maybe this will be the year, and then uh, we lost the first game. But I, I, I still thought he was uh, to to move on from him and go to somebody who had never been a head coach was a strange decision for me. But we don't need to relitigate that again. That was yeah, that was a terrible decision. There's no. But, but they hired Byington, and he seems to have the team on the right track. Granted, absolutely another quarterfinal yeah. loss, but which is why it's so all the more frustrating. Yeah, but you know, put put you get to put an asterisk next to this one because you know Lewis out sure. the collapse when you don't have your head guy who who would have taken over that game and probably sure. prevented that from happening. I feel good about the trajectory that JMU basketball is on, and I think other other JMU fans should as well because it was very easy to not care about basketball the last five years. Like, let's be brutally honest. Oh it yeah, was very easy to cancel the flow subscription after football was over. Yes, and Ben and I have even talked about on the podcast. So this, everyone gets their eligibility back this year. So it's, this is like a season that really could only help the program. And the only thing we wanted to see out of this team was to bring some type of like excitement back so that when the Atlantic Bank and Union Trust, full, I don't even know the full name anymore, is able to host fans, that fans would want to go. And I think that's exactly what this season did. And anything in the CAA tournament would have been icing on the cake. Granted, I love icing on my cake, especially with a little cherry on top. Um, and they didn't provide that, but they still gave me a really tasty what cake. What kind of cake are you eating that you're putting yeah, like you a okay? maraschino cherry on this? Good Who Lord. Hurt you? 
Dude, you know, sometimes you my mean? analogies, my analogies sometimes really get home and other times they're really, really bad. I'll, I'll chalk that one under things I got home. Uh, <laughs> the cherry was, <laughs> if somebody puts a cherry on my cake, I am, I'm sending it back. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a positive season overall, right? There's, there's some good signs and things like that. I was just disappointed to, to see it end the way it did with the Matt Lewis injury, the blown game against Elon. But it is what it is. It was a positive season. It's a, it's a strong league. It's hard to win games against these teams, man. You got a UNCW team. <laughs> They're used to playing it. Like, especially these teams that are so used to playing in empty arenas. Like, it felt like home all season long for them. So, well, JMU's well, also used to playing in empty that arenas. Was spicy. JMU's arenas are still fill up more than like, I mean, you'll go to like a road UNCW game on Wednesday, man. And it's like, I don't know if the people accidentally found the building and they walked in, they learned an event was happening that day or what but didn't have anything else to do just decided to stay right. <laughs> right no but i mean i would like to see them next year build on this and improve on it obviously matt lewis seems like he's going pro um but they return pretty much everyone else depending on i guess what jacobs decides to do but not that that would be a, a killer if he does decide to do different things tough well, weekend for jmu and elon man the football team uh, barely gets out of god for the win the men's basketball loses lacrosse loses I, I six to five i don't even know the last time jmu lacrosse has jmu lacrosse ever lost to elon i don't know how do they six to five that was just such an odd score <laughs> especially what yeah. they were coming off like that 20 point win over mason and yeah i don't think Mason's elon's much better than mason <laughs> yeah i don't think elon's much better than mason no well, that's probably true mason is incredibly bad at every sport it's I just really the, the, the high point Overtime. I mean, yeah. that is not a game that that JMU should have been in overtime with. So I, I mean, I think I don't know if it's just the team taking a step back this year, and that's probably a little bit natural because they've been very high the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if it's a maybe the team is not conditioned well coming into the season. I don't know what. It was. I don't know. We're gonna keep ignoring baseball for now. Um, <laughs> Nothing I don't, to talk about there. Don't well, want to talk about them. I I want to say something. Oh God. <laughs> This, this may be harsh, and we need to get Nick Stevens on the podcast here in the next week or two to talk about this baseball team with only one win. And I was on the, the, the hot seat of Coach Eikenberry, I think, two seasons ago when he had four MLB arms in rotation and they failed to make it to the CAA tournament. His seat should be on fire right now. That's <laughs> he all. should be engulfed in flames. Is what you're saying. He I think, is, yeah, I would. This may be rude, but he's row over on Eagle Field. <laughs> I would like to see uh, improvement. It's not that bad, Jack. Come on, it's not. <laughs> it's shockingly for the talent they have. Trey Davis, Lauder, Fox, like they have, like agreed. they at least have an offensive lineup that should be putting up more runs than they are, and it should have more than they should have. They should have won the the, the 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 I can't talk. Should have won the series against Bowling Green. It gives off some concerning vibes when they have the talent they have. That's I, I would say that's the road vibe for me. Is like wow, look at the guys they brought in, and then you like watch them play, and you're like, what what just happened? What was that? But hey, women's basketball team talking about hot seats. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they start the CAA tournament this week. They open with number seven seeded North. 
they don't have to play Delaware or Towson until the championship, which I think is a good matchup for them. They'll probably play Drexel, assuming they advance. <laughs> Do you think they win the tournament? No. 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 It would be strange <laughs> if this is the tournament they won. Right? That's be, what I, that I, would be kind of funny. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think we saw it, at, especially how they ended the season, what, barely losing to Delaware in the first game, then beating them, and then barely losing to Drexel, and then beating – like, some of the top teams in the league, they show that they can, they can hang with. And defensively, they're nowhere near as good as they used to be. Turnover-wise, that's a huge problem. But I think they have the offense to keep up with anyone in the CAA. And we've seen with Elon, if you just keep chucking threes over and over and over and over again, you may win some games. Well, and I I think all that tracks for a team this young, right? I mean, turnovers and some some, – they got some ways to go defensively. Uh, But, I mean, Sean's going to get them right. Lots of faith in Sean. Yeah. Unlike Bennett. (laughs) (laughs) I've long been a Sean O'Regan critique. Uh, No, uh, big Sean fan. He's going to get it right. And I think they're going to be, they're going to be right in it. I think they're going to be good. My concern is that they've, you got to win three games in a row. That's how you win this thing. Unless COVID plays a role. They've done that once this season was the beginning of the season. Non- conference related so i they would, it would be the first time all year they've ripped off three in a row against conference teams i get that it's not like it's hard when you're going back and back against the same team so they won't have to do that but i think there's there's a little challenge there if they can do it i think it would be one of the i would say is probably the crowning achievement of jamie athletics in the last decade i thought you were just going to leave it after they've got to win three in a row and I was like, wow, I need to buy the, the Daily Progress more. I am missing some analysis. Here's the thing. To do this, you're going to need to win games. You can't – single elimination. All right. So Once you lose, you're actually done. Like you do can't we play think – and we, we missed this with um, men's basketball. Do, do we think that um, they're going to get an at-large in the NCAA or the NIT? Because uh, well, you know, they I, wouldn't accept it if given that. Uh, I, have, I, I must admit I, I am not locked in to uh to some of the nit stuff but i know it used to be if you won the regular season in the caa you got an nit berth right pandemic they cut it to 16 teams all at large so like they're, okay they should See. not be in the mix that's why but. you're a reporter <laughs> and i stopped writing a blog four years ago it's just uh, but byington said byington said if they do get offered they'll accept that, which i love i love that mindset same with the ncaa if they're come if they come calling Dang. We'll play in that tournament. Real. Absolutely no way this team is playing in the postseason. The men's team. Women's team still up in the air. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Women's CBI? Team, I don't think that's Apparently happening they've, they've, I No, they are having one of those crappy ones. CIT? Like CIT or CBI. What about it's the one college basketball insider.com tournament? <laughs> Byington has said he won't play in that. There's a there's a basketball court like six blocks from my house. We could we could run threes there. That'd be- I don't know uh, what the <laughs> rosters if they have plans next month. The Richmond Chase, Invitational. Chase, do you remember that? I think it was 2014, I guess. JMU maybe 2015, but JMU they played in one of those things with the dot com at the end. They played mm-hmm. against South Carolina Upstate. That was a heartbreaking loss. I think they lost that one by a point under in the Brady era. That was still one of the defining moments where if you get that one, maybe that starts something. Yeah. Does the program's fortunes turn around after beating South Carolina upstate? The truth is we'll never know. Gosh, 
That was a close one too. They were playing it in like a, it looked like a local high school gym. Hmm. And they just, maybe that's why they didn't win. They're used hmm. to, used to those big CA crowds. Yeah. Yeah, Madison Square Garden, <laughs> Upper Marion High School. <laughs> Similar <laughs> venues. Uh. Do you have any other therapy session you need to get off your chest, Bennett? I know you were feeling real some type of way after the men's loss. No, it's just, I mean, like, the refs really made it worse because, like, if they had just been by yourself, that they wouldn't have actually choked where it's like, oh, I knew we had blown the 15 point lead. It would have been tied without the rest, but gosh, we would have rallied. So no, I have no extra therapy. Okay. You kind of cut out there, but I, I got, the yeah, I see it. The, the zoom tortures me. It's like, your internet connection is unstable. It's like, no, we got it. <laughs> it is a well-known fact. There's no internet to be found in Charlottesville. So yep, that's, I mean, for what well, it's worth. Maybe Matt, maybe the Brady family sucked it up when they're living here instead of living in Harrisonburg like Jamie coach should. <laughs> I like how you <laughs> remembered that and you've brought that that anger with you to people, today. That was a dumb. People got mad about people that. His were, wife, people were upset about that. His wife oh, like Charlottesville. Our community's not good enough for you. <laughs> Sorry that his wife liked it here. God. <sighs> what a time. All right. Anything else anyone wants to add? Any plugs? Any Anything like that? Uh, I would love to plug my own podcast for the nine people still listening yes. to this 90 minutes in. Uh I, if you are unaware, I've been hosting a podcast with my friend Andrew Dowdy from Sports Illustrated for a while now. It's called High Motor for reasons I still don't really understand. Well, you guys uh, have we, a high motor. I, well, that's what I thought too. Turns out it has nothing to do with that. So we got bought uh, by MGM recently. Uh, and if that sounds familiar, it's because they bought all of the properties associated with Hero Sports. So we are now the official podcast of bet MGM. So if that sounds like something you would be interested in listening to, we do a great podcast. I'm biased. It's not like the betting betapalooza that you might be thinking it is. It's pretty much the same podcast we've always done. We talk about college football. We talk about college basketball. We sprinkle some NFL in there. Uh, we have really strong guests. We actually had Pat 40 on this week. So like, I, you know, pretty big names uh, that we're pulling. Uh, we've had Kirk Herbstreit on before, several other really, really good guests. Uh, if that sounds like something you're interested in, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. It's a great listen, and we do two episodes a week, and we, around the like halfway two-thirds mark of the podcast, just give out some easy winners. So if you like making money, maybe Jack can make his, his Hofstra Elon money back. So was your, easy, was, your, was your good winner the Elon pick? No, uh, actually, the most recent episode we gave out Cleveland State minus four cashed yesterday. So wow, that one was looking rough for a while. It was. I definitely <laughs> thought that was going to be uh, in the red, but you know, it's a forty-minute game for a reason. You got to play all forty. You know, App State's been winning me money these last couple of days. Take the stairs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, Ben. Anything else you need to add? No, um, no. Well, I, I just went back. Actually, I looked at the UC, USC upstate loss. They're up eight, three minutes left. USC, South Carolina upstate goes on a nine. will run to close the game. Beat them. It's just mm. like that kind of whatever. It's fine. It's fine. This is kind of what it feels like, though. It's like very similar to that game, like defining program moment here, and they can't even win. Well, if this is really for the rest really, of the day, it seems like it's uh, 
it seems like this is taking up a lot of space in Bennett's brain. Yeah. I remember watching it vividly in a dorm and I was like, why the fuck am I watching this? And then they lost. I was really like, why am I watching? Are you interviewing Tony ever? And you're just like, Tony, I'm sorry if I could just for a minute. Did you watch the USC update <laughs> JMU game? Seven years I usually, ago? I usually just ask most of my questions. I'm like, Tony, we all know what happened with UMBC. And then I'll just ask like whatever else I wanted to ask. But Jay Huff's been really good this year, huh? <laughs> that's, that's how you interview any UVA basketball. Like, personality just hey guys we all know what happened with umbc but you know how about those screens that uh that kihei's setting is that i mean really strong team basketball right <laughs> that's like going up to mike houston down in ecu and just saying so we all know what happened with the colgate game um but your quarterback play fantastic right late face one up once went up to him and was like who are you <laughs> and he's oh. like i'm the head football coach <laughs> Can I, can I make a quick book comment? I think that like day one, I'm gonna release my book, bestseller, New York Times, JMU Nation's got me. I, I've been I've been working on this book for like, I, and since I was at JMU, so it's been that long. Um, and it's going through a couple of uh, evolutions, I guess you could say. The idea is college, I and, Bennett, you and I, in some ways, are exceptions to this because we came out, uh, particularly you, with a very concrete skill set to do a very specific job. Uh, I think a lot of people don't necessarily have that experience. And so the idea was I wanted to write a book that telegraphed how college for our generation has become more of a rite of passage event than an actual opportunity to learn concrete skills. Yes. Uh, so that, that's that's sort of the idea, and it is in the style of uh, short stories, really very short stories. Because sometimes you read a book of short stories, and it's like, hey, this short story is 50 pages long. That's not that short. Uh, so these are like vignettes. They're like three pages, five pages, six pages. And it's, it's centered around this idea of uh, very unreliable narrator and if you met somebody at a bar and you were describing your college experience would you like you probably wouldn't talk about oh my god I remember this one class I took sophomore year and we learned all of these great things about philosophy and how I apply them to my everyday life and job like, that's probably not what you would talk about you would talk about the CEOs and business hoes party from October of your junior year. So it's more about that and it's it's very conversational and lots of like short stories. It's sort of like if you look at a mosaic, there's like a hundred pieces that make up the mosaic and each individual piece is one thing, but when you look at them together, they tell a different cohesive story, kind of like that. So that's the idea. Love that. When is When were we expecting this book? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, it's still it's still got a little bit of work to go, but I, I'm uh, the plan is to submit it to an editor this year, mm. and then obviously it'll it'll just be ripped off the shelves by the JMU faithful uh, because if this wasn't clear, this is a book that takes place at JMU because it's about me and the things that I did. At JMU. <laughs> I love this. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put that for uh, early 2022 then. There we go. Just in time to be too late for the holidays. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that in there. For Bennett Conlin, Chase Giddy, thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Jamie Sports News Podcast. See ya. big money on plant protection supplies now at menards defend your garden with triazicide insect killer its fast-acting formula protects lawns vegetables and many other plants it kills more than 260 insects by contact above and below ground choose from ready to spray concentrate or granular save big money on triazicide insect killer at menards and check out our weekly flyer on menards.com for all the great deals happening now save big money